0: This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Welcome to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. The podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. My name is Dustin Smith and as always, I will be your host. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. We have a great one for you this week. Episode 313, entitled... John's use of Deuteronomy, chapter 18, verses 15a. Now, the Gospel of John uses several titles to refer to the person of Jesus. The Johannine Jesus is the Good Shepherd. He is the Way and the Truth and the Life. He is the Resurrection and the Life. He is the Door, etc., etc., etc. But one of my favorite titles that's given to the Johannine Jesus is that he is the prophet. Now this prophet brings to fulfillment the promise made to Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 18, a highly important passage for New Testament Christology. And in Deuteronomy 18, Yahweh says that he will raise up a prophet in whom he will place his own authoritative words. This week's episode will begin a new series in which we examine the many ways in which the Gospel of John draws upon this passage of Deuteronomy 18, mainly verses 15 through 22, in order to illustrate Jesus as God's prophet. And this week, we're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 18 verses 15a, which basically means we're going to focus on the first part of verse 15. And basically all of our translations say, of verse 15, that Yahweh your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your countrymen. And we're going to look at this passage and we're going to examine how the themes of this passage reappear throughout the gospel of john so who is this prophet likened to moses and in what ways does the johannine jesus fulfill the promises in deuteronomy chapter 18 let's find out on this week's episode of the biblical Unitarian podcast our first point today is looking at deuteronomy's promise of a prophet like moses I thought it made the most sense to begin by reading our target passage in order to familiarize ourselves with its contents. So, Deuteronomy chapter 18, and we're going to read verses 15 through 22. Yahweh your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your countrymen. You shall listen to him. This is according to all that you asked of Yahweh your God in Horeb on the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of Yahweh my God, let me not see this great fire anymore, or I will die. Yahweh said to me, They have spoken well, I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen like you, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. It shall come about that whoever will not listen to my words, which he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who speaks a word presumptuously in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or which he speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die you may say in your heart how will we know the word which Yahweh has not spoken when a prophet speaks in the name of Yahweh if the thing does not come about or come true that is the thing which Yahweh has not spoken the prophet has spoken it presumptuously you shall not be afraid of him That's Deuteronomy 18, verses 15 through 22. Now, in the past, when I have offered episodes in the Biblical Unitarian Podcast on Deuteronomy chapter 18, I've typically focused on verses 15 through 19. I haven't focused on verses 20, 21, and 22. And perhaps if you have committed this passage to memory, you are probably not familiar with verses 2021 and 22. But I am now convinced that the Gospel of John is also drawing upon those verses in its portrayal of Jesus. And it seems that the Jews, the typical opponents of Jesus in the Gospel of John, they are looking at Jesus and trying to decide, is Jesus really a prophet that's speaking in the name of Yahweh, or is he some sort of fake, based on the criteria that we see here at the end of of this passage so in this week's episode we're just going to look at verses 15a which also gets repeated in verse 18a again this says yahweh your god will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you from your countrymen and the me there indicates that moses is the one that is speaking so Yahweh, the God of Israel, is going to raise up for Israel a prophet like Moses from among Israel, from among the countrymen, from among their brothers and sisters. So, let's move to the Gospel of John and see how it draws upon this particular passage, chapter 18, verse 15a, and takes its themes and characteristics and uses them to illustrate the Johannine Jesus. This moves us to our second point. Point number two, how Moses anticipates Jesus in John. So as we've seen in Deuteronomy 18 verse 15, Yahweh is going to raise up a prophet like Moses from among the people of Israel. So there is a sense in which the coming prophet is someone whom Moses anticipates. And so it's very interesting to see the number of times that Jesus gets described in the Gospel of John in a way that follows the introduction of Moses. And this, of course, would make sense because that's what the promise in Deuteronomy 18, verse 15, is trying to anticipate. So at the beginning of the Gospel of John in the prologue, in chapter 1, verse 17, it says, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. That's John 1.17. So you can see that while grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ, he comes as kind of the second line in the parallelism of the law being given through Moses. So the very first time that we actually get the given human name, of the Son of God, namely Jesus Christ in the Gospel of John. Here, he is introduced in parallel with Moses. A little bit later in chapter 1, in verse 45, it says that Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses, in the law, and also the prophets, wrote, Jesus of Nazareth the son of Joseph. That's chapter 1, verse 45. So when Philip announces to Nathaniel that he has found Jesus, he describes Jesus as the one of whom Moses wrote. So Moses is, of course, anticipating Jesus because he is the prophet like Moses. In chapter 3, verse 14, it says that as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so, must the Son of Man be lifted up. That's John chapter 3, verse 14. Again, the lifting up of the Son of Man in his glory and being lifted up on the cross is set in parallel to the act of Moses lifting up the serpent in the wilderness. In chapter 5, verse 45, we read, Do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. The one who accuses you is Moses, in whom you have set your hope. This is Jesus talking in John chapter 5, verse 45, and clearly his opponents are setting their hope in Moses, but Moses is the person who has anticipated Jesus. In chapter 6, verse 32, it says, Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. That's John 6, verse 32. And the passage goes on, as we all know, and it indicates that Jesus is the bread from heaven. He is the true bread. So Moses is not the one who has given you the bread out of heaven, indicating something that took place in the past. It is the Father who now in the present gives this true bread. But notice how Jesus is the one who actively functions as the bread from heaven in a way that has been anticipated by the example of Moses. Moving on in chapter 7 verse 19, it says, Did not Moses give you the law? And yet none of you carries out the law. Why do you seek to kill me? Again, putting up Moses as this positive example that they're supposed to listen to, and Moses gave the law in a way that would anticipate Jesus. Jesus holds Moses in high regard, and the Jews should be holding Moses in high regard. But of course, Moses is anticipating Jesus. And later in that chapter, in verses 22 through 23 of chapter 7, it says, For this reason Moses has given you circumcision, not because it is from Moses, but from the fathers. And on the Sabbath, you circumcise a man. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath, so that the law of Moses will not be broken, are you angry with me because I made an entire man well on the Sabbath? That's chapter 7, verses 22 through 23. Again, the act of Jesus has been anticipated by Moses. And this all makes sense in light of the anticipation that we have from Deuteronomy 18, verse 15, the very first part of the verse, in which Yahweh is going to raise up a prophet like Moses. So if you're going to introduce Jesus in the Gospel of John as this prophet, you have to introduce him alongside Moses in a way that is Moses speaking favorably about this person. And of course, the prophet has to also speak favorably about Moses. This moves us to our third point. Point number three, Jesus is called the prophet in John. So a lot of people, when they do kind of a basic surface-level study of the way in which Deuteronomy 18 reappears in the Gospel of John, they just simply look for the times in which Jesus is called the prophet. And of course, The prophet is not just any old prophet, like John the Baptist is a prophet, but the prophet in particular is the prophet that has been anticipated from Deuteronomy chapter 18. So, we can see that this prophet is being anticipated in the first century based on the way that John the Baptist gets interrogated. So in John chapter 1, starting in verse 21, it says that they asked him, they asked John, What then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you? So that we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I'm a voice of one crying in the wilderness Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him and said to him, Why then are you baptizing, if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? That's John chapter 1, verses 21 through 25. So it's very clear that this anticipated role of the prophet, not just a prophet, not just any old spokesperson for the God of Israel, but the prophet is a role that bears considerable weight. And they are basically asking John the Baptist, who does appear to function as a prophetic figure, are you the prophet? And why are you baptizing if you are not the prophet? And this, of course, indicates that if John is not the prophet, then, of course, Jesus must be the prophet. And we can see this already in Jesus' interaction with the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, verse 19, where she says to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. This is true. And this, of course, is pointing us to Jesus fulfilling the role of the prophet from Deuteronomy 18, verse 15. In chapter 6, verse 14, it says, Therefore, when the people saw the sign which Jesus had performed, they said, This is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. John chapter 6, verse 14. So they rightly realized that he is not just any prophet. He is the prophet. And Jesus does not dispute this particular point. In chapter 7, verse 40, it says, Some of the people, therefore, when they heard these words, were saying, This certainly is the prophet. Chapter 7, verse 40. So notice, they hear the words that Jesus is saying, and they conclude that Jesus absolutely is not just a prophet, he is the prophet. And it indicates that they were saying this with the imperfect tense of the Greek verb, indicating that they were saying this over and over. They were constantly saying, this certainly is the prophet. This certainly is the prophet. This certainly is the prophet. And so we can see from the perspective of the narrator framing his narrative that there's this increasing understanding and identification of Jesus as the prophet likened unto Moses. In chapter 9, verse 17, it says, So they said to the blind man again, What do you say about him? What do you say about Jesus? Since he opened your eyes, and he said, He is a prophet. So notice the prophet Jesus is able to perform miracles because he functions in this particular role as the prophet so it seems pretty clear that the author of the gospel john wants to frame jesus as someone who is like moses and the author of the gospel john wants to have all of these interactions between jesus and his dialogue partners in which they rightly perceive that he is the prophet and jesus does absolutely nothing to deny these particular points. But there's one more important part of Deuteronomy 18, verse 15a that we need to consider. And this is the part that gets left out of many Christological readings. And that's the fact that this prophet absolutely must be a member of the people of Israel. This moves us to our fourth and final point. Jesus is a member of of the people of Israel. So we can see when we go back and we read the passage, it says that Yahweh your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from among your countrymen. So the prophet will be like Moses, but he will come from among their countrymen, meaning he will come from among the children of Israel. And the Greek translator of Deuteronomy 18, verse 15, in the Septuagint, took this phrase for countrymen, which really just means brothers in Hebrew, the word ach. And this translator literally translated it into adelphone, So it's ek ton adelphon su, out of the brothers of you, from your brothers. So, in order to be a member of the countrymen of Moses in a way that would qualify someone to even potentially fulfill this role mentioned in Deuteronomy 18, verse 15, and also in verse 18, one would absolutely have to be an Israelite. And so this actually would disqualify 99% of creation this would disqualify Samaritans because they are not from among the countrymen of Moses. It would disqualify any Gentile. It would disqualify angels, whether they're good or bad angels. It would disqualify demons, any sort of heavenly spirit beings it would disqualify. And of course, it would disqualify God himself, Yahweh. Obviously, in Deuteronomy 18, Yahweh is distinguished from this prophet the two are never collapsed into a single being so this is very important in order for jesus to qualify as the prophet the author of the gospel john must believe that jesus is a member of the countrymen of moses he is from their brothers and this is exactly the sort of way that jesus is portrayed in the gospel of john in the prologue in chapter 1 verse 11 it says that he came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. This is in reference to the Logos, and arguably this is the Logos embodied that we see further elaborated in verse 14, but it indicates that Jesus came to his own. Namely, Jesus the Jew came to his own Jewish people, but those who were his own, namely his own people, his own Jewish people, did not receive him. But the point is that his own people are related to Jesus because Jesus is a person from among their countrymen. In chapter 2 verse 12, it says that after this, Jesus went down to Capernaum, he and his mother and his brothers and his disciples, and they stayed there a few days. Notice here we're seeing that Jesus has a family He has brothers, and it indicates that Jesus' family, of course, was Jewish, and this Jewish family is, of course, going to Capernaum after the wedding at Cana, and of course, the passage is going to continue and indicate that they went to the temple. This is a Jewish family, and Jesus has brothers in this family because he is one from among their brothers using the very same Greek noun. The Gospel of John continues to indicate that Jesus has Jewish brothers. In chapter 7, verse 3, it says, Therefore his brothers said to him, Leave here and go into Judea so that your disciples also may see your works which you are doing. Two verses later in chapter 7, verse 5, it says, For not even his brothers were listening to him. Again, Jesus came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Because Jesus has a place as a member of the Jewish people. He is one from among their countrymen. In chapter 7, verse 10, it says, When his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he himself also went up, not publicly, but as if in secret. So the author continues to indicate that Jesus has jewish brothers now after the resurrection jesus tells mary in chapter 20 verse 17 stop touching me for i've not yet ascended to the father but go to my brothers and say to them i ascend to my father and your father and my god and your god that's chapter 20 verse 17 a very important passage in the gospel of john but for our purposes today jesus verbally indicates that he has brothers these are jewish members that are believers in him and so we can see that the very same language down to the very same greek word that's used in the septuagint of deuteronomy 18 verse 15 to where this prophet is going to be from among the brothers of moses that same word is used multiple times to describe jesus So in sum, the Gospel of John goes to great lengths to portray Jesus as the prophet likened to Moses. By just comparing the first part of Deuteronomy 18, verse 15, we haven't even read all of it. Just by looking at the first part, we've observed three ways in which the narrative of John illustrates Jesus as the fulfillment of this important promise figure. First, Jesus is anticipated as a figure like Moses, often being explicitly mentioned after Moses is described in the narrative. And this would recall the line that the prophet is like me, namely like Moses. Second, Jesus is frequently called a prophet, and sometimes the prophet, which would naturally echo the specific role mentioned in Deuteronomy 18. And third, Jesus is portrayed as a member of Israel, a countryman and a brother. This fulfills the requirement that the prophet, like Moses, had to be an Israelite, which indicates, Christologically, that Jesus is a human being. He is a man. He is a bona fide, 100% member of the human race, like you and me. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Join us next week as we continue to explore the ways in which the Gospel of John portrays Jesus as the prophet like Moses from Deuteronomy chapter 18. Please look forward to our next episode. Now, if you enjoy our podcast, please consider supporting us as we aim to promote the sound truths about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. You can support us absolutely for free by subscribing on YouTube or iTunes, by giving us an honest review on iTunes, and by sharing your favorite episodes with your friends. If you'd like to offer a donation, please check out the episode's description for a PayPal link or consider an official membership on our YouTube channel. The Biblical Unitarian Podcast is produced and edited by Dustin Williams. I am Dustin Smith, your host. Until next time, please take care.